The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Time Out Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey everybody, welcome to the Main Street Vegan program. You know, we hear a lot about people who talk the talk, but maybe don't walk the walk. Today's program is about doing that walk, talking the talk, and maybe sometimes not talking at all. And we'll find out more about that in just a moment. I do want to give you a preview that after the break, we're going to be speaking with Laura Callan, who is in New York City for Main Street Vegan Academy, but she lives in London, my favorite city on earth. And she is the publisher of Bright Magazine. And right now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to two people. First, me. If you don't know me, I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan program. If you want to find out more about what I do, check out MainStreetVegan.net. We have all kinds of things going on there, training program, blog, books, brand new documentary, all sorts of wonderful things happening. That documentary is a prayer for compassion, pretty darn good thing to pray for. And my other introduction is to our first guest. We have been trying to get this man for months and months. I'm so, so happy that we have him today. And he is James Aspie, a man on a mission for sure. James believes the majority of people in the world are participating in unnecessary and easily avoidable violence every time they purchase animal products. He is most known, and now you're going to know what I was saying about not talking, in that he took a year-long vow of silence to raise awareness for animals. And he also cycled 5,000 kilometers across Australia. And he got tattooed for 25 hours to raise money for charity. And he has reached tens of millions of people through his online speeches. Welcome, James Aspie. Thank you so much, Victoria. I'm so glad we finally got to make this happen. Me it's been a while. too. It has indeed. But you know, We're it's busy al- people. It's always the right time. I think talking Absolutely. talking to somebody wonderful is like getting a check in the mail. Nobody ever said, "Oh, that's too bad. It's the wrong day." <laughs> so true. I feel the same. So, give us a little bit of background um, leading up to the vow of silence. What happened in your life that led to that? Okay, I had cancer when I was 17 and that was the first time I truly experienced what it was like to suffer. 
I came out of that a few years later and started working as a personal trainer. And eventually I ended up working on cruise ships where I met a man who told me that eating animals is bad karma. Up to that point, I'd never cared about animals. In fact, I didn't even really like animals, even dogs. And we had a dog, but I just had always been under the impression that they were so inferior to us that they weren't worth giving moral consideration to or almost any consideration to. And when this man said eating animals is bad karma, I said, well, we have to eat animals to be healthy. He said, I've been vegetarian for 20 years. I said, you're lucky to be alive. But this prompted me to start learning more and do more research. And almost immediately, you know, it wasn't hard at all to, to understand that I had been actually conditioned to believe that we need meat for protein, dairy for calcium, eggs for omegas. And in fact, every single nutrient that we need, we can find easily in plant foods without the cholesterol and the saturated fat and other things that cause disease like heart disease and cancers. So I got very excited. I started telling everybody for the health reasons. Then I watched Earthlings, which shows all the all the violence that we inflict upon uh, these innocent and vulnerable animals for food, clothing, entertainment and medical testing and other things. And I could not consider what I couldn't find a justification for how I could continue contributing to that violence by purchasing animal products when I knew that well, I finally knew that eating animals was totally unnecessary for our health. So this became a big deal for me because I just I just saw this way to a more peaceful world and I was telling animal lovers, people who are usually so against animal cruelty and they didn't even want to hear about it and this was confusing to me. And I you know the more I thought about it, the more sense it made that we could easily just end the violence towards trillions of sentient, feeling, emotional, intelligent beings every single year just by simply making small changes at the supermarket and reading labels, you know, on a product once. It takes five seconds. And, you know, this is such a huge improvement that could be made in our world for countless different reasons, but mainly health, ethics, and obviously environment too. And um, I started thinking more about it and getting more passionate, and I took a 10-day vow of silence to uh, meditate for 10 hours a day in a course called Vipassana. And it was there that I had an idea to take a year-long vow of silence. So I started studying more on animal rights and realized that being vegetarian wasn't enough. Every animal product causes suffering. All animal products are a form of exploitation and abuse. They all end up at the same slaughterhouse, even organic, free-range, grass-fed, you name it. They all get stabbed in the throat or put in a gas chamber or are electrocuted to death. And, you know, that's why they're only thing that made sense was to be vegan so i decided to take a year-long vow of silence to raise awareness for animals and to promote veganism and encourage people to adopt that lifestyle so that we can see a more peaceful kind compassionate sustainable healthy world and yeah that's what i've been doing ever since that's absolutely amazing i did the 10 day that, that you're oh, talking you? about yeah and and that was a life-changing experience and those were probably the only 10 days of my life when i didn't have laryngitis that wow. i didn't speak so what was it like for a year congrats what, what on happened doing the 10 with days. you oh so much happened well congrats I mean, on doing 365 oh yeah well cheers <laughs> well 10 day i know those 10 day courses are bloody tough you know sitting there with nothing but your thoughts and you know, the sensations in your body is, is far more uncomfortable than even it would sound. So well done. Um, okay, in the 365 days, I traveled around Australia. I wrote a blog. As you mentioned earlier, I cycled across Australia 5,000 kilometers just to prove that vegans can be healthy, fit, and strong and do athletic things because there's a big misconception about vegans not getting enough protein or weak, sickly vegans and you know, it's just a load of garbage, really. 
And yeah, during the year, I just communicated through writing things down or using body language. It was basically basically like a 365-day game of charades. And what I didn't realize was, you know, it was being voiceless. You want to try to get your point across as efficiently as possible in a the most condensed form as possible. Otherwise, you just you know it's really confusing for people trying to understand you. And this what I noticed was that this really helped me, um, you know, with my writing when I was writing the blog and also when I started speaking again. The first time I spoke was on national television in Australia. They, my first words were uh, basically an uh, encouraging plea for people to see that animals deserve the right not to be murdered and exploited and to become vegan, to live in alignment with that basic principle that violence is wrong when it is unnecessary and that should apply to all beings. And, yeah, so that's pretty much, you know, throughout the year we did a lot of rescues inside factory farms. I, you know, attended protests for the first time in my life and sort of saw what that was all about. And, you know, basically through writing a blog every single day almost, I started gaining a following online and was able to spread this message to from hundreds of people to thousands of people to tens of thousands of people to now to hundreds of thousands of people. And, you know, some of the videos, like you mentioned, have also been seen by tens of millions of people. So, you know, it was definitely a worthwhile action for sure. That's amazing. That's why the world is changing. So as you look around this movement, um, there are different approaches to making these changes. There's even some infighting. Some. (laughs) So how do you see our movement? And as as someone who was able to keep your mouth shut for a year... (sighs) What can those of us who keep talking learn? I think we need to, you know, just respect that. We all have different ideas of the best way to get to the top of the mountain, to the top of the, you know, to get the world to go vegan. And unless we see some evidence as to why certain, you know, certain types of activism are inherently causing harm, then we should just give everyone the benefit of the doubt and let people you know, do what feels right. So many people told me that going voiceless for a year was ridiculous and stupid and bad for the animals and would make us look crazy and animals need your voice, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they were wrong. And I think that, you know, we're very quick to judge and very quick to point the finger and this and that. But mostly we're made up of a movement of people who are very passionate, who are very frustrated and who are, you know, kind of traumatized from realizing what's going on and living in this world of non-vegans and seeing you know just the products of violence all around us and our family and friends eating it eating these body parts so i think that you know there's a people criticize me for different things and i get it they have certain views you know for example i use the words rape and holocaust and murder i think that they're very apt and the animals deserve to have their story told in the most authentic way possible and then there's certain people who would say, no, you shouldn't use those words. And I totally understand their reasons. And I think that, you know, we make choices. Neither way is perfect, in my opinion. But you make choices just to be the best activist you can and to advocate for the way that you think is going to serve the animals and the movement best. There's certain people who would say that the DXE disruptions in restaurants, where they go in saying meat is murder while people are eating a steak, is, uh, you know, a negative thing in the movement. And... I would say that, you know, perhaps it is, although I don't personally go and do that, though. I support their actions. I think that they're, you know, it's it is planting seeds and it's one way. But I guess what is cool is that there's so many ways and so many activists and so many different forms of activism 
popping up and you don't have to agree with everyone but just remember that everyone's got the same goal and just do what suits you and what feels right for you and I think what we can see is that obviously what we're doing is working because this is becoming a mainstream movement veganism is mainstream word now and animal rights is often in the media and at the forefront of people's thoughts you know and there's more vegans than than ever before so I think what is most you know one fact that we can't deny is that we're seeing a lot of progress and so I would say congratulations to everybody who is doing it in whatever way they feel is best let's keep going and adding more and you know more different ways and yeah more actions and let's just keep it going I love it. I know the economist said that this year, 2019, was the year that veganism would become mainstream. So <laughs> we're wow. living it. I'd have know. to agree. I think you mean 2018, but 2019 as well, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think, yeah, I think, I mean, we've seen that. And it's a, it's a big part of because vegans are in the media and famous people are going vegan and celebrities and new vegan products are coming out and they're selling out like Beyond Burger at A&W, a franchise in Canada, a burger place, fast food place. They sold out almost straight away and then the government added $150 million um, to keep them going, to keep the Beyond Burger, totally vegan burger um, in these stores and to be continue getting sold because it's better for the sustainability of our planet that's the reason i think most of them are interested you know it's very it's the cognitive dissonance thing where people don't want to actually address the real elephant in the room which is slaughterhouses and violence and throat slitting and gas chambers they're like oh yeah it's better for the environment yeah cool that's a good bonus but obviously the most important thing is that we are you're not condoning violence and that is exactly what's happening but so i think whatever reasons make people feel better is fine whatever let them go for it but ultimately yeah it's going to happen and it's happening and you know there's what to be excited about i would say right now so what do you say to people who say oh yeah i used to be vegan it just didn't work for me or i didn't feel good or something yeah. of that nature well i mean it's unfortunate that somebody had a you know, a bad experience of going vegan. It's, you know, definitely in the rarity comparatively to how many people say that going vegan is one of the best things they've ever done in their life and they wish they'd done it sooner. Um, but there are a few people who it doesn't seem to agree with for whatever reason. And I would suggest that probably it's either because they have other issues that they have thought, oh, well, now I don't feel good, so it's because of veganism. Like a lot of people who do it for diet reasons, they're trying to change their diet because they have some sort of problem already. So they're like, okay, I'll, I'll go vegan, meaning they'll go on a plant-based diet, and soon later they're like, oh, didn't fix my problem, vegan didn't work for me. And veganism is an ethical choice, it's not a diet choice. So I don't think it's that veganism didn't work for you, it's that the particular type of plant-based diet that you were consuming potentially didn't work for you for whatever reason. Potentially you weren't eating enough calories, potentially you weren't getting enough nutrients, potentially you already had a pre-existing issue, potentially it was totally um, you know, irrelevant to you changing your diet and you got sick anyway. There's lots of different reasons and what I would suggest is that, okay, you know, when people – as well, it's an addiction. You know, meat is an addiction and dairy is very much an addiction because there are literally chemicals in these foods that act like – addictive drugs like opioids and things like that for example the um, casomorphins in dairy which is made which is in there so that it helps the calf come back to the cow to the mother to keep getting milk we consume this thing we get addicted to cheese we get obsessed with cheese and 
when people have an addiction and they try to just get off it, of course, there can be symptoms and side effects, feeling lethargy, feeling uh, headaches and flu-like symptoms. That is just common of getting off, you know, withdrawing from drugs, withdrawing from an addiction. So that could also potentially be another factor. And, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time for your body to adjust. You've been used to grabbing nutrients from meat and dairy and eggs. Sometimes, and I spoke to Dr. Clapper about this, who's a very well-known and credible and respected doctor in you know, the, the field of plant-based medicine and plant-based nutrition is that when you change, if you've been eating this way your whole life, some people are going to feel like it's going to take them a little while to adjust. And that's just a fact of it. But I would always say persevere or try again. When you first quit, someone quits smoking the first time, it doesn't mean that they quit smoking the first time and never smoke cigarettes again. You know, if you see the benefits and you realize that this is an ethical thing that we can all do to make the world a better place, and that's in alignment with the ethics we already have, and that you see so many people doing it healthy and that the studies are showing that actually you're going to probably very likely live a longer, healthier life, then it just makes sense that, okay, maybe it didn't work this time, but you know what, I'll try again. Maybe I'll get a little bit more support this time. Maybe I'll join one of the uh, vegan Facebook groups that specialize in nutrition that are totally free to join. Maybe I'll join Challenge 22 where I can get a free mentor and coaching for 22 days. You know, there's ways to do it where you don't have to just jump in by yourself. You can try different approaches and um, just keep at it. And, you know, if, let's say for whatever reason it didn't work because you tried to do it overnight, maybe a better way for you is to go vegetarian first, do it in steps and then cut out eggs and then cut out dairy. Some people like to cut out animal products and go vegan for breakfast. And then after they've got a few breakfast recipes sorted, they do it for lunch and they do it for dinner. You know, and these are, there's lots of different ways of doing it. So if one particular way didn't work for you, Ask some vegans that, you know, get online and get some support and figure out, okay, so what is a way that can work for me? And, you know, this is the way we're supposed to eat. The studies show, and it's just a scientific consensus now, that if you're eating animal products, you're increasing your chances of heart disease, cancers, diabetes, obesity, osteoporosis, and many other diseases. And if you're contributing a plant-based diet, which is the diet that our body naturally thrives on, and is designed for that you're likely to live a longer, healthier life. So it's not that you weren't getting nutrients that you needed unless you were just not eating the right foods. Everything is there in a plant-based diet, everything you need, minus all the things that you don't need to cause illness and disease. So, yeah, just give it another crack. You are on the right path and just keep walking. Not everybody does it straight away. I definitely didn't. I was vegetarian for a year and I tried to be vegan for a while and I really struggled to get off dairy, but... You know, I learned a banana ice cream cream recipe and I started <laughs> drinking soy milk and I figured it out and, you know, it's all good. Just have another crack at it and keep moving forward until you get there. Oh, that's so good. And I think, too, when people do it for their health, it's so important that we let them know about the ethics and about the environment and whatever else. You know, for me, what got me vegetarian originally was yoga. I mean, I tried oh, cool. to do it for the animals as a child and I just didn't know what I was doing. But as a teenager, reading about yoga and ahimsa you know, that got me over that hump. And then, you know, the veganism took a while. But like you say, we're, we're all on a path. And as long as we're looking toward that end, we're going in the right direction. So once exactly. we're there, James, mm -hmm. should all of us vegans be activists? Uh, I think that we are all activists to a certain level. You know, there's very few vegans who are so quiet and secretive about it that they don't get asked any questions or you know, spread the message in any way. I mean, there are some, and I would suggest to those people that the people who are timid or, you know, worried about judgment or things like that, there's still ways for you to be, you know, an advocate for animal rights and for veganism that you'll feel comfortable with. 
but yeah, of course we should all we should all actively be spreading this extremely important, urgent message of peace and compassion and respect. And you know, like I said, there's different ways to do it. Some are as bold as going into a steakhouse and you know telling people that they're wrong for eating animals and that meat is murder. Some people might just post a vegan recipe online or post an interesting quote or post a picture with an animal and write a little caption about why they went vegan. Some people will put on a vegan festival. Some people will do speeches or, you know, bold activism. Some people will um, write books and create a podcast and make YouTube videos and make a recipe book. You know, there's, there's so many different ways. So I think or, or make websites for activism or for activists or for um, you know, groups or organizations or start an organization or volunteer or, you know, there's so many, so many ways to get involved. And yeah, I think that, you know, the least we should do is give back because we've taken so much from animals. And, and when giving back these days can literally mean you do something on your phone that can reach, even if you have 200 people on your Facebook, can reach 200 people. Uh, I think we really should be taking advantage of the devices we have now to potentially plant seeds in so many minds of our friends, family, and even strangers. Mm -hmm. You can get on the streets and do it. You can get out front of slaughterhouses and do it. You can be an investigator and do it. There's just so many ways. And so I would suggest that, yes, of course, once you know about it, you do something about it. And the first thing to do is to stop your contribution to the injustice. And the second thing to do is to help others do the same. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that a lot of vegans are doing, even if they don't consider themselves activists. They're at dinner, they're answering questions, they're showing their delicious vegan food, maybe they post it on their Instagram, whatever. But, you know, we should fight for them the way that we'd want to be fought for, not just be like, oh, oh yeah, there's this massive, massive amount of violence happening. Hope they figure it out. You know, animals can't get themselves out of this mess. We put them in this mess. It's up to us to do something to help get them out. And a conversation goes a long way and a rest is a long way. And being a vegan, an open, proud vegan goes a long way because it shows that you can do it and that it's healthy and that you're a normal person. And it breaks a lot of stereotypes and busts a lot of myths that people believe about why they can't go vegan for whatever reason. So, yeah, I suggest get educated, learn the basic answers to the most common questions, and then move forward from there. If your specific skill set is marketing or advertising or creating websites or public speaking or cooking, whatever it is, you know, focus that on spreading veganism in, in whatever way you see best. Well, the ways that you do it are incredibly creative. I know that being tattooed for 24 hours, do you have plans for doing something else interesting? Well, I, I do. And I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever... Like some of my ideas, I just don't know if I'll ever go through with because, you know, I've had like, for example, about two years ago, I really wanted to donate one of my kidneys and, you know, just as a, an act of trying to help somebody out of their suffering. And but to be honest, the main goal was I was hoping it would get me enough media publicity to get on the Ellen DeGeneres show because she reaches so many people with such a large audience. And I thought, well, if that's how I get on the show, then that's what I got to do. And, um, you know, but then. I learned more about the actual procedure and that maybe it's it wasn't the best idea for someone like me who has already had some health concerns in the past with cancer and things like that um, or potentially wouldn't even be able to do it. But that was just another idea that I thought would have been a great way to gain media attention and therefore get animal rights in the spotlight again in my own way. Um, but, yeah, I've got some really cool – I'm involved right now in some really cool initiatives that I'll be announcing pretty soon aren't necessarily that extreme at this point, but just I think they're really 
you know, what, I, what I've developed through doing that kind of activism in the past, you know, things that any, for, the goals of them were to relate to anybody. So you don't need to care about animal rights to watch someone get tattooed for 25 hours or to watch somebody, um, you know, follow somebody who takes a year-long vow of silence. And in my speeches, it's not just about animal rights. It's an interesting story about my life and what I've been through and things like that. So you don't need to just be interested in animal rights to come and hear this interesting story of this inspiring guy, as they say, to come and, um, you know, to come and listen to what he's got to say also about animal rights. So the idea has always been to do actions that aren't necessarily about animals even. It's specifically, you know, it's, it's different from going to a slaughterhouse and taking footage of animals, which most people don't want to see anyway, and they'll just scroll past. Um, but doing all those things has given me a very special thing which is a large social media following and that is just worth its weight you know it is it's so valuable to be able yes. to reach people every single day and so let's i feel like people- those well i was just gonna say i feel like those stunts are less crucial now for my own personal activism because i've gained a social media following and um i so what I focus on mainly now, rather than stunts, is is uh, being a relatable vegan, being somebody who you don't need to be vegan to enjoy following. I post about my life, I post about my partner, I post about the places I go, and I post a lot about veganism and animal rights. I mean, pretty much a lot of it is that. But I try to do it in a way that sometimes is funny or thought-provoking or interesting so that I feel like I am definitely relatable and interesting to follow for a lot of non-vegans. Oh, you yeah. are relatable and interesting. So on Instagram, <laughs> it's James Aspie, A-S-P-E-Y. On Facebook, yep. James Aspie Activism. And we will post all of James's social media on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Cool. In our last 30 seconds, what do you want people to know? Um, I guess what I'd like people to do, if you aren't very aware of this topic, or if you are a vegan, not doing as much as maybe you feel like you should, or you're just not feeling that motivated, if you feel like you're up for it, what I always think is good is to revisit the reasons that made you go vegan in the first place, or the reasons why you would listen to a podcast like this. And I think the biggest one for most people is simply the animal cruelty, the violence. So I would suggest watching the new documentary that's come out called Dominion, which is undercover investigations and... Um, hitting cameras of factory farms and slaughterhouses inside my home country, Australia, which is supposed to be one of the most humane, ethical treating of animals country in the world. And, you know, just see what's going on. Really take a look. Really see how that makes you feel. The reason why I call it a Holocaust will become very clear because this is a mass extermination of innocent beings, except the difference is that we continue breeding them back into existence to do it over and over and Mm. over again. So true. James, I'm so sorry. We have a hard stop. And it's a beautiful (laughs) film, Dominion, James Aspie. God bless you. I always say that at the end of the show, but I'm saying it to you now. Everybody else, stay with us. We'll be back. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. 
go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell from Unity San Diego discussing change and transition. And as we begin to really identify the endings in our lives, to deal with them completely and wholly, to heal from them as we must, as we are willing to be in a time of not knowing, a time of uncertainty, but a time of trusting that there is a blueprint, there is a plan, there is a destiny. As we move successfully through these experiences, we will find that we are evolving and emerging into something new and different. And everyone and everything that has been happening in your life, both the things that are easy and good and pleasant, and those things that are challenging and painful and difficult, are drivers for your own evolution. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle, and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips, and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts, and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. Wasn't he enchanting? Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine not speaking for 365 days, but I can certainly imagine the desire to do something that tremendous for the animals. And I think all of us feel like that. And I think you're listening to this show as an act of solidarity with those animals as well. So thank you for that. Thank you for all you do. And it is now my pleasure to introduce my next guest, and she is Laura Callan. 
Laura is born and bred in London, and she founded Bright Magazine, and it's a real magazine on paper with pages. She did that back in mid-2016 with the help of her sister, Tamsin Callan, and their amazing illustrator, Roxanne Duar. She's been vegan now for over 11 years and started the magazine because she saw so many people coming together and creating a vegan community that when she first started wasn't there. I think a lot of us have seen that, Laura. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on this side after listening to the show for so long. So I feel very <laughs> humbled. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to have you. And and Laura is right here in my living room in New York City. That's always so much fun <laughs> when I can do uh, the interview in person. So Laura, I met you a few years ago at the VegFest UK and was able to read your really beautiful magazine. It reminds me, I think if I had to compare it to a big magazine with which I'm familiar, I'd say Vanity Fair, because it just has Amazing. articles that mean something, that you'd really want to fix yourself a cup of tea and sit down, and I'm going to read this and I'm going to think about this. What was your motivation for starting Bright? That's a that's a very big compliment. Thank you. I <laughs> appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, I just, I studied journalism um you know, uh, at the same time that I became vegan, actually. Um, so I wanted to write articles about the vegan community, about the growing um, community that we had uh, in the UK. And I thought about um, publishing things online, but I loved print media. You know, that's what I studied. So I wanted to create something that people could pick up and appreciate. And that is something that's worked really well for us. People pick up the magazine and they smell it and they, they want to look at it. And it's like this, this visceral experience that people really enjoy. Um, so yeah, so we, we always want to have really hard hitting social issues and, and long read articles in there. That is, um, at our core, uh, that's what we started with. Our first issue talked about the links between veganism and feminism, um, which was in response to a YouTube video of someone saying that you didn't need to be vegan to be a feminist. And I was kind of, um, going at that from, uh, a vegan perspective, um, so, yeah, that's a big part of what we, we do. We want to talk about social issues, but we also just want to showcase how amazing veganism is um, and all the amazing people that are doing really, really cool things. London is such a hub now um, with with vegan businesses starting up and the community is amazing. And now we're sort of going more global and we're, you know, talking to people in New York and we're talking to people uh, worldwide about what they're doing. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, and I'm crazy about London. I said that before. I say it all the time. I moved there on my 18th birthday. Amazing. <laughs> it was my great, great desire. And if it hadn't been for being a foreigner and not being able to get the immigration thing worked <laughs> out, I would probably still be there. I, I love to go there. I, I used to think, you know, if if life after death is kind of the traditional thing where, you know, you meet the council and they tell you what you did in life, I figured somebody would say to me, you could have gone some places besides London. <laughs> so That's I've amazing. gone a few places besides London, but it, it's always the first. Do you ever think as a vegan that it's really cool that you live where veganism was born? <laughs> you feel like it was born in London? Well, as a word and mm. as a movement yeah. that we understand now I know that there have been total vegetarians back through history yeah, yeah, Pythagoras yeah. as far as we know yep. vegan with honey yeah uh, yes yeah no that is that is awesome to have that that kind of history and to see the development that that has had um obviously you know I'm 
10 years vegan, which is uh, not as long as, as other pioneers like yourself. But um, yeah, seeing that development and knowing that that history there is is awesome and uh, how much it's blowing up now is just, it's incredible. Oh, unbelievable. But I, I think in so many big cities, college towns, lots of places, and I'm always inspired when, say, vegan chefs, for instance, come from somewhere that maybe isn't such a big city, but they open a vegan restaurant in their hometown. Yeah. So we're getting all kinds of presence all over everywhere. It's thrilling. Yeah. And we've got a lot of people like that. We've got people like King from Cook Daily. Um, and he is very focused on the community and serving the people where he lives. Um, he's just started his new place in Hackney and he's just like, he just wants to serve the people that live there and, and he's very London focused. And that's the way a lot of us are. We're like, let's serve our community around us, um, vegan and non-vegan and, and spread that message where we live. And yes. That's, that's so powerful. Yes. So I'm interested in the magazine and its print nature and your, you have a millennial demographic, mm-hmm. and yet you're still print. Yes. And it works. It does. It does. We're, we're very lucky. We have an amazing uh, base of subscribers and customers, repeat customers. Um, we know a lot of them personally. Uh, it's been an amazing journey. Um, and we, we do sometimes get asked if we're going to make a digital version. But I feel like we just live in this society, in this sort of world now, where we're just swiping and swiping. Um you know, people are swiping on who they want to go on a date with and they're swiping through Instagram looking at other people's lives and things like that. And I feel like you just, um, you don't value things necessarily as much, which is, you know, a much bigger conversation. But um, I feel like I personally, you know, even someone that's, you know, working in media, I feel like I don't value an online article necessarily as much because I can just skim through it and swipe up on my phone and then sort of get the gist. Whereas if I sit down with a book or I sit down with... Um, a magazine it's a it's a different all-round experience and um we've been lucky that people feel that same way you yes. know as i say they pick up the magazine and they're like oh it's a real thing um which and i think people do you know they are into that you know there's been a big um spike in people buying like records um yes. and even like some bands that i listen to have put out uh, like special edition tapes and i'm like i don't even have a tape player anymore <laughs> but it's awesome that people are going back like sort of reclaiming having actual tangible things yes well there there is something about the the tactile nature of some of the things that we've lost and i talk to a lot of of people in their 20s who say oh i send thank you notes yeah i have a fountain pen with ink (laughs) just like wow that even goes back earlier than me very interesting amazing so when i look at your magazine i see veganism Mm -hmm. but i see so many other social issues And my question is, how related and how relevant are these other issues to veganism? Is it important to make veganism a whole uh, human progress kind of movement? Or does it kind of weigh it down and make people think, oh my goodness, it's it's enough that I have to give up (laughs) cheese. And now you're telling me I have to look at all these other issues. Where do you come down on all that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. And I think it's absolutely a journey because um, when I started uh, being vegan, um, it was just all about animals and animal oppression. And it took me a long time to unpick all these other things about patriarchy and equal rights and, you know, all the social issues that we now try and address through Bright. Um, but I feel like that everything is linked, like oppression is linked on, on all layers. Um, and once you can kind of see that, animals should not be oppressed you can see how much of a sort of ripple effect that has and that 
you know all oppressions are linked whether it's people or or animals um and if you sort of break down these oppressive systems like animal agriculture then hopefully we can break down all the other systems that that keep people down um socially socio socioeconomically um racially and you know with gender and and LGBTQIA plus <laughs> with you know with all these all these different areas and do you think that more people come to veganism through these other issues or they come to veganism and discover the other issues I'd say there's probably definitely a mixture of both I think a lot of people uh, come to veganism for whether it's environment or health I think we are seeing a lot of people coming to it for health now mm-hmm. um, and I agree with what you said earlier that we need to uh, sort of teach them about the ethics once they're here and that's a, a role that I definitely want to play um, so I think a lot of people are, are coming in and then learning more becoming more uh, woke as it were um, and that's something that I've definitely seen um, in myself and in people around me um, I, but I'd say yeah it's probably both sides people coming to it from different angles which is wonderful because then you reach so many more people yes it's an interesting a subject for me. I remember hearing back in the 70s, one, one of the uh, speakers in our movement was saying that veganism and animal rights needs to be part of a, a sweeping liberal agenda. And I remember sitting there back a long time ago thinking, okay, but how are we going to save all the animals if we only get half the people. Yep. And I think that's why I came up with this term Main Street Vegan, which mm-hmm. I, it's different from High Street. Main Street in America means regular folks. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and I just feel like for such a long time, veganism was seen as this elitist choice. Absolutely. And that that we've somehow got to let people know, you know, we can't force anybody to be vegan but there's so many benefits for them mm-hmm. that, you know, let's kind of open up the, the doors very widely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of um, my job as well is to showcase all the different types of vegans that we have. Um, and this is something that I spoke to Dominic Thompson, who's on the cover of issue eight. Ah, what um, a great cover. About, yes. Um, and it's something that he talked about how he wants to be someone that can show that um, African-American people can be vegan and big and strong. Um, and we've had other people on the cover um, who have been, you know, heavily tattooed females and then, um, you know, guys that sing in bands. And we're trying to show that there are, there's such a diverse community because I know it when I'm in London and I look around at vegan events, I can see the diversity is there. Um, so it's it's a mission of ours to, you know, pick out these people that are doing really cool things mm-hmm. and, and give them a platform and just to show that it's not a, an endless supply of... Um, hippie white men uh, that are vegan, which was definitely the stereotype before. Or maybe hippie white women. I yeah. think we've always been a very female movement. Well, for anybody who doesn't recognize that name, Dominic Thompson, he hasn't been on the show yet. He's definitely on the list. Uh, he has a t-shirt company, crazysandweirdos.com. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful shirts. And he also has a, a story. Oh my gosh, a brilliant, brilliant story. So we'll have to get Dominic on the show. So, Laura, what's it like being there in the middle of this great city where veganism was founded and so much is happening? What's really new? What's going on there that wasn't going on a year ago when I was there last? Um, Probably a lot more businesses. It's Mm. like there are businesses popping up 
all the time and it's amazing to see them grow from just being like a street food trader uh, to getting a premises and then uh, getting a second premises things like that are really happening they're happening quite rapidly which is absolutely awesome um it's also great to see how many events there are and um all the communities sort of pulling together so uh, my friends uh, damien and judy that run vivolution they've been doing that for a few years now and um you know, we've collaborated with them on events. Uh, we ran a plant-based business boot camp, and um, we basically set up like a mega day of all the business advice that we wish we'd had when we started. Um, and we got experts in social media, in marketing, in finance, in self-care as well, which I think is really important for you know burnout. And when you care so much about uh, veganism, you you know you push yourself that little bit further. Um, so we collaborate with them to put on this amazing day and people came from literally around the world to uh, to come and learn to, to boost their businesses. And I think that's um, amazing to see that there are that many people out there that want to start businesses. So I think that's really what is what is happening in London at the moment. It's just there's so much growth and so many new people innovating, which is what's most exciting for me is yeah. seeing people starting new things. So what kinds of businesses do you see beyond food? It's a lot of food. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so there's a lot. Uh, there are a lot of food, artisanal kind of cheeses, um, this, that, and the other. I'd say it is probably mostly food. Although we've got things like now, like we've got vegan accountants and vegan um, sort of like marketing help and things yes. like that that are starting up. And then, right, uh, we're going to have some things uh, soon, but we can't talk about those yet. So, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting to me that it's certainly seeing where the investment capital is going in the vegan world. If you can eat it, chances are you can get money for it. <laughs> and some of these other things like publications, yeah. uh, more of the artistic pursuits are a little bit of a harder sell. Yeah. And yet the arts have pushed along every liberation movement in history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that the investors will uh, catch up with that. Yeah. We have a feature film that uh, we've been trying to get out there for a very long time. Uh, Vegan protagonist, uh, animal rights theme, but lots of human issues mm -hmm. um, going on to wonderful film. But it, it's a hard sell. Yeah, and so, that is difficult sometimes, especially when you've poured so much passion into it and you know that it's a good product or a good project. Yeah. Well, it's a whole other world. And I think a lot of us, especially, I just missed the whole hippie thing. I'm slightly young for that, but I'm still in that general area. And so there was enough of that, you know, stick it to the man anti-establishment thing that I never got involved in business and finance and investing and all those things that now it seems like a lot of very young vegans are just taking to so naturally yeah. and they're doing amazing things in the world Absolutely. and teaching me how to do it. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a wonderful conference. You're going to do it again, the plant-based business bootcamp. Yeah, yeah, we're hoping so. Um, Vivolution, they're like the busiest people I know. They're always doing a lot of things, but it's definitely something that we would want to repeat. And we were asked as soon as we announced it, there were people that couldn't make that day, and they were like, "Please tell me you're doing this uh, again." So it's really valuable. So for people who are uh, planning to visit London, what are your favorite restaurants? Oh, so many, so many. Um, definitely cook daily. Um, that's food that I could eat every day of the week, like literally cook daily. Um, it's really good, like uh, Asian-inspired bowls, but then he's also got like a chicken and mushroom pie and like an all-day breakfast. Um, really good, like hearty food that's like quite healthy. Um, there's so much great food. There's an amazing bakery called Vida Bakery that's run by like the dearest people in my life. 
um, which is all vegan and gluten-free, um, which is quite a, a good, you know, good thing to have quite a feat. Um, you have to check out Club Mexicana, who do amazing um, vegan Mexican food. Um, God, who else? So many. Um, there's a girl called Sarah who runs Pomodoro Basilico that does the best burger I've had in my life. It's absolutely amazing, like a schnitzel burger. Ah. I think a lot of the, the best places are the, the young sort of um, younger food traders that aren't necessarily that established, but they're coming in and they're really disrupting, I think, yes. um, and challenging and creating amazing food. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. But then I love Wild Food Cafe. It is awesome. I always have to go to Neil's Yard. It's got the Neil's Yard remedies and it's got this holistic place where you can go and get all sorts of body work and other mm -hmm. things. I actually had a past life regression there. It was one of the more amazing experiences of my life because I'm sitting there very skeptical. Like I can't be hypnotized. <laughs> and all of a sudden this voice comes out of me that sounds like recordings. We've all heard of suffragettes and women wow. from the early 1900s and and this voice had a very British accent. And I'm going on and on about my life at that time. And then as we checked things out, um, the, the street that we lived on, supposedly Cadogan Place, was like, oh, there's no street called that. And then we found this little street. And, and as we did research, we found that it used to be a longer street. And they made it shorter when other businesses came in. And um, I supposedly died of the flu in 1919. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's ridiculous. Everybody <laughs> knows that epidemic was 1918. Well, guess what? A lot of people were still sick in 1919. Wow. So who knows? There is more to heaven and earth, Horatio. But in this wonderful little Neil's Yard area yeah. near, near Covent Garden, uh, there's some really fun stuff, plus my favorite vegan restaurant in London. It is lovely. <laughs> it is awesome. That's just an interesting story. So how about New York? You've been in New York for a week. What have you been doing here? Uh, eating a lot of food. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. I absolutely love New York. The way you feel about London is how I feel about New York. Um, yeah, I love it here. So I came a bit early and I've got a massive list of places that I need to eat at. A lot of them I have eaten at before, but I think a lot of new places are popping up. Um, and I've asked people that either live here or come here a lot for their recommendations. I want to go to the places that locals eat at. Yes. And that are like really, um, you know, the place to go. Right. So I've been eating a lot of food, meeting a lot of um, vegan bloggers and, and doing some interviews and stuff while I'm here. And just just walking around. I just love walking around, looking at how different the buildings are here and taking photos and just um, just chilling out. Yeah, I feel that way too. And I think one of the reasons I love New York is that I love London. It's almost mm -hmm. like I learned to love great big cities living in London. Yeah. And uh, this is a pretty fabulous one too. It is. The it architecture is. and everything. It's grand. So you have a merchandise range as well. We Vegan do. Queen. What's that all about? Yeah, so Vegan Queen started, it was actually a joke um, when we were planning the first issue. It was like a joke between me, uh, Tamsin and Roxanne, and um, we started a comic strip. So the first one was just how to be a vegan queen. It was just a kind of silly thing. And now um, people absolutely loved her. So she has her own um, comic strip in every issue, and it's a different queen every two issues. Um, so it's, she looks different because the whole idea is that anyone can be a vegan queen. And that is regardless of gender, like anything, anyone could be a vegan queen. And we want to just um, empower people to feel 
like yes I am a vegan queen you know we want it to be this powerful fun thing where you're not taking everything crazy seriously and um it's yeah an empowering thing so we started off making like stickers and tote bags and then that turned into jumpers and t-shirts and then we moved into um ethical um living kind of products so we had uh coffee cups and cutlery sets which say vegan queen or say bright on them um so that people can carry these little cutlery sets around with them which will then stop them from having to use single-use forks and straws and, uh, you know, all these things that we don't need to be using. It's just like a little thing you can carry with you. I think we're all very conscious of, of that now. And even though that's not, like, directly a vegan thing, it's something that everyone is, is concerned about and, and should be as well. So, yeah, we're trying to sort of diversify and offer products that people will enjoy and that are useful. Oh, that's so much fun. So speaking of vegan queens, do you think that we're ever going to have a vegan queen of the UK? <laughs> uh, I hope so. Um, we had an article actually um, in a in an issue not too long ago about Meghan Markle. Yes. Because we've said for ages, well, like, I'm sure she's vegan. I'm sure she's vegan. That proposal story where she was saying they were roasting a chicken, I was like, that's it's a weird thing to say. I'm sure they're covering for something and she's very healthy and she's into yoga and um, he stopped hunting and this, that, the other. So I think she's an undercover vegan. Um, so we'll have a vegan royal. And then hopefully one day, I'm sure we'll have a vegan queen. I'm sure we'll have a vegan everything. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful to look forward to. And and I, I think, you know, we, we could have um, we could have some very powerful people over here carrying the vegan banner too. It's exciting uh, what's going on. So everybody, you've got to read this magazine. You will love it in all seriousness. So here's how you find it. Um, Bright or Bright Zine. Brightzine.co. That's the website. B-R-I-G-H-T-Z-I-N-E dot C-O. And Bright Zines plural on Facebook and Twitter. And you know what? We're just going to put all those URLs on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net so that you can go there and get a subscription of your very own and maybe buy some vegan queen merchandise and hashtag anyone can be a vegan queen. Exactly. But people who marry into the royal family maybe have a slightly easier time of it. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Or maybe a harder time. <laughs> yeah, we never know what it's like to walk in somebody else's non-leather shoes. So do you have... Any trouble? Is it hard at all? You know, people say, oh, my goodness, being vegan. Oh, my goodness. What about shoes? What about coats? Is anything still troubling? For me, no. <laughs> like it's and it's amazing to say that because um, when I went vegan, I lived in a like a seaside city um, at university and it was difficult. I met one uh, vegan lecturer at my university completely by chance. She was like, oh, you can get cheese in this one store <laughs> half an hour on a bus. <laughs> Um, and then it was difficult. Um, but now I can get everything, you know, I just, you, you might have to take a couple more steps and just do a little bit more research, mm -hmm. but we live in the age of Google and you, everything is at our fingertips. All yes. the information we need is at our fingertips. And there are so many bloggers and influencers and sources out there that will help you. So I, I mean, I know I'm in a position of privilege. I live in a big city. Um, I know that it is easy for me and it's not necessarily easy for other people. Uh, but I think on a whole, we can all take steps to be you know more plant-based and 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 be vegan yeah. and anyone could be a vegan queen <laughs> ah, that's lovely so just in our last minute to anybody who's saying yeah but it's hard for me it's hard mm -hmm. for me for whatever reason 
let's have a little inspiration for that person. Yeah, I think I completely understand it is hard. Everyone has their own um, their own journey. But I think just um, being kind to yourself and thinking about, you know, why you want to do what you want to do, why you want to go vegan, and that will help you. And then just take baby steps from there. You know, not everyone can necessarily go vegan overnight as much as I'd like them all to. Um, just take steps, be kind to yourself, and just, just do research, you know. Um, do your best. That's what we, we can all ask for. Well, and you are doing such an amazing job with this beautiful magazine and being such an articulate spokesperson for the movement. Thank it you. It means the world. So, everybody, what's going on with you? What are you thinking about? What are you going to do a little bit more of based on what you've just heard from James Aspie and Laura Callan? I hope it's going to be lots and lots, and you know what? Even if it's just a little, a little bit every day can save lives and change the world. This is the Main Street Vegan Program. I want to give a shout-out of thanks to Unity Online Radio for hosting our show for low these almost seven years, and also to our musical creator, Rob Mills, who comes from your part of the world over there in the U.K., and thank you, our listeners. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.